NIDCAP Federation International proudly presents NICU Care with NIDCAP. NIDCAP is short for the Newborn Individualized Developmental Care and Assessment Program. In these conversations, we discuss best practices to support the health and development of hospitalized newborns, infants, and their families and those who care for them in the ICU settings and beyond. Today's show is called Everyone Matters in the NICU. My first guest today has over 30 years of experience in prenatal, neonatal nursing that includes more than 20 years of research experience focusing on the care of high-risk infants and their families. She's also a member of NIDCAP Federation International Board of Directors and is currently serving as the Vice President of the NFI. She's a senior NIDCAP trainer and holds many certifications in various infant early childhood neurobiological assessments, and she currently holds a position as the assistant professor at Fairfield University Egan School of Nursing and Health Studies. I want to bring on to our show, Dr. Dorothy Wittner. Dorothy, how are you today? Welcome to our show. Jeff, I'm really excited to be here with you. Um, I'm so excited to talk a little bit about some of the work that I've done over the past few years and also just um, share information about how we can better support infants and families in hospital settings. It is great to have you here and thank you so much for joining us today. Our next guest is a clinical nurse scientist who has worked in newborn intensive care for 42 years and was involved with Dr. Al's in early scientific studies leading to the creation of NIDCAP. So I wanna bring on today, Dr. Gretchen Lahan. Gretchen, how are you today? Welcome to our program. I'm great, Jeff. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with my colleague, uh, Dr. Dorothy Wittner. Both of us have done this kind of work for decades and it's very close to our hearts. So thank you guys for joining us today. And thank you guys for checking out our podcast and joining us today wherever podcasts are. Don't forget to subscribe to this show and share with your friends, families, and colleagues. We would love to have you guys as part of the NIDCAP family. All information and podcast archives can be found over at NIDCAP.org. That's N-I-D-C-A-P.org. And guys, let's just jump right into all of this stuff. Today we're talking all about NIDCAP and our nursery program. Uh, Dr. Wittner, can you talk to us a little bit about the NIDCAP nursery program? So Jeff, as a place to begin, NIDCAP is an approach to care that acknowledges the unique needs of each infant and family and supports their developing relationships. NIDCAP is the earliest, most comprehensive, research-supported, evidence-based system for assessing and supporting neurodevelopmental care for infants in hospital settings. This includes premature infants, high-risk infants in the newborn intensive care unit, in the pediatric intensive care unit, in the cardiac intensive care unit. So really, it's in all, all hospital settings. And the NIDCAP approach focuses on the infant's unique behavioral communication and adapts care and the environment to support the infant's own neurobehavioral goals and strengths. So, when I speak of the environment, I mean the physical environment as well as the social environment. The social environment is the atmosphere, the welcoming, creating nurturing environments where infants and families can navigate the competing demands and thrive. NIDCAP gives infants a voice and helps healthcare professionals understand the infant as an active participant and collaborator in care together with the family that the infant receives. 
So every decision we make is centered around the infant's behavior and what their behavior is communicating to us in terms of what they're trying to accomplish. And the goal of the NIDCAP work is to observe and acknowledge and foster the infant's strengths and decrease their vulnerabilities. And these stresses that are inherent in the newborn intensive care unit really influence both healthcare professionals, infants, and families. So when I think about um, how the NIDCAP nursery program was developed, the NFI developed and launched the program in 2011 to uphold NIDCAP practices within this paradigm shift and pays special attention to the organization or systems work to support how we care for hospitalized infants and their families. And when we think about the NIDCAP nursery program, we're really thinking about a system-wide change in philosophy and implementation of that physical and social environment. And so there are over 118 criterion that are scored on a five-point scale. And when we think about the NIDCAP nursery program, it really pertains to all disciplines. It's each and every member of the healthcare team. And I'm wondering, Gretchen, if you can share a little bit about your experience with the NIDCAP nursery program. It's, it's interesting, Dorothy. I have to just say that as you were speaking and talking about the importance of every single member of the team, when I think back to the early days of trying to implement the work and trying to make sure that we were including, you know, physicians, nurses, psychology, therapists, family members, of course, it, it was um, interesting to hear the different perspectives. Um, some disciplines thinking, well, of course, their primary importance to this work, and then other disciplines feeling like, gee, you really want to include us. That's great. So um, I, I agree with the comprehensive nature of it. It's been my experience in consulting and working in several different units that it's a really key factor to success for any unit who's interested in, in taking this comprehensive approach and ensuring that it's being followed, that everyone involved in the unit is in fact included in the planning in understanding the philosophy and the work. And that even goes to people like those who work in environmental services. The man or woman who goes into the newborn ICU and has to change the, uh, take away the trash that's sitting very close to an incubator with a very tiny baby in it. Once they understand the nature of this work, they never function in the same way again. They become super quiet and realize that you can't shake out the plastic bag next to the incubator with the tiny baby. And if we hadn't included them in understanding the work and being an important collaborator, then they just wouldn't know and they would do things in a less thoughtful manner. Absolutely. And, you know, I think coming from um, the discipline of nursing and yet working primarily as a developmental specialist or uh, nurse scientist, if you will, um, how we think about NIDCAP, one of the real strengths of the program is its multidisciplinary approach. And the information and knowledge really pertains to 
everyone who cares for um, infants uh, in hospital settings. So it's the entire healthcare team and it's the team as a team that really influences change. And so when we better understand behavior and we better understand what that infant is trying to accomplish from a neurobiologic perspective, and we talk about that and we help that guide our discussions. And we talk with families about what their impressions are and what their goals and um, what they would like to accomplish for their baby, for their family, for themselves. When we start to have those conversations in different ways among the healthcare team, it really does shift what our conversations are. And when we partner with families and we include them in our decision-making, it really does change that infant's care trajectory. Let's talk a little bit about the families here. Um... You know, every time we do a recording, I always think back to my experiences in the NICU. You know, our, my, our triplets were 25 weekers. We spent a lot of time in the NICU. Does a family look for a hospital based off of if they have a NIDCAP program? Does a family make decisions before the baby comes based off of some of these nursery programs? What should a family be looking for when choosing a hospital? And how do you ask questions about having NIDCAP and NIDCAP nursery programs. Absolutely. And I know um, working in hospital systems, um, the hospital systems pride themselves in being able to share some of these philosophies and some of these approaches to care. And I think really um, families and parents and consumers are getting more savvy, Jeff, right? Because the internet is a, is a way for us to share information in ways that 30 years ago, we didn't have those opportunities. And so very often parents come in informed and asking questions about how they can partner with the healthcare team. And they start asking questions and inquiring about um, what choices they have, what opportunities are there. And at the very least, if a family, which very often um, prematurity or a high risk delivery is not something that um, individuals always plan for. So a lot of times there's a surprise factor or they're in a situation that they had never expected or experienced or had any information about. And so you're meeting people at on their worst day, if you will. And having a critically ill infant is really, really challenging. It's really, it's not easy to be able to um, go into this environment where when I talk with families, their biggest intention is they just want the baby to be okay. And they wanna take home, um, a robust and and they want to take the baby home and they want to spend time with that baby and so how we talk with people about that totally influences that experience right so if we um pretend like that's not the most stressful day or not a difficult time then it, it you know it really detracts from helping people to be present and authentic in, in that experience. Um, but some hospitals uh, are actually so having taken on the NIDCAP nursery certification, one hospital, they actually had a billboard made that was advertising to the public and community 
that their newborn ICU was NIDCAP certified. So although some families really have no choice of where they're going to go based on their insurance and where the coverage is, as Dorothy said, some are much more sophisticated and they're looking up and they're reading and they're um, looking at those kind of quality indicators that are public knowledge and available to the lay to see, is this the best place to care for me and my baby, especially when they know in advance that there's a likelihood of prematurity. Well, here's the question here. When we're going through a pregnancy, um, obviously we've got a couple different options. The best one is you have your child and 24, 48 hours later, you're out. When does NIDCAP start to be introduced into the program? I mean, even if you have a child full term, sometimes the baby is in the NICU for a day, two days, whatever, until the things get stable. Um, in our case, we're there for three or four months. When does NIDCAP start to come into the conversation? At what point, um, how early does a child have to be born before the NIDCAP process and, and all these conversations need to be discussed with parents? So consistent, consistently well-integrated NIDCAP care is the primary goal of all NIDCAP work. And really, Jeff, it starts from the beginning and it starts from birth or perhaps even before birth. And when we think about that and we think about the strategies that we use to accomplish the integration of NIDCAP to, to its fullest expression, it really provides the organization and structure for these many conceptual efforts that can be quite complicated. So the NIDCAP nursery program provides tools and strategies for healthcare professionals and even families to understand what is it that we're talking about. Um, there are four kind of key elements, if you will, in terms of thinking about the NIDCAP work and thinking about the NIDCAP program. So we think about that environment. We think about that physical environment. We think about that social environment. We think about creating nurturing environments. How do we support people and welcome them to be with their infant for prolonged periods? Do we do that? And how do we support each other and on the healthcare team? We also think about um, the care of the infant. And what do we do in terms of our um, interactions with infants? We know that these infants require intensive care. Very often they're critically ill. Um, they may be on ventilators or have, um, you know, IVs that monitor their blood pressure um, and other necessary, very necessary um, technology to help that baby survive. And yet, can we embed that technical competence? In, in emotional competence and can we nurture as well as we provide that technical care. I also think about the fourth key element of caring for families, how we support those developing relationships at all levels influences what we're doing. If we're talking about building trust for that infant, you know, despite the fact that they're born critically ill or very premature or very small, they still have that neurodevelopmental expectation to develop trust. So how do we build trusting experiences? How do we acknowledge the infant's unique experience and support them to cope and diffuse some of that stress? 
So I think sometimes we misinterpret that developmental process, if you will. It's not about not doing something. It's about doing it embedded in nurturance and embedded in love and acknowledging that that family and those parents have this unique connection to that infant that no one can can imitate. And so when I talk with families and I support um, and I start to explore what are they thinking? What is their priority? What is it that they would like to do? How can I support them to be successful? And very often it's that, you know, fear of not wanting to hurt the baby, not wanting something to happen, not wanting that breathing tube to fall out, um, rather than not wanting to hold the baby. So something as simple as holding your baby or holding your baby skin to skin takes an incredible amount of competence to assure that security and safety of the infant while simultaneously supporting that parent to explore and experience something that is unique to them. And I think for me, it's really powerful and I also, um, those are some of my best days when you can see that magic happen in terms of those connections between babies and families. And you can see that mother gain confidence and competence over the baby's um, hospital stay and feel really confident in one, they know their baby and two, they know best how to care for their baby, despite not being um, an intensive care nurse or not being a neonatologist. Um, parents bring a very, um, a unique expertise, if you will. And as a healthcare professional, it's our opportunity to explore that and come to know, okay, what's important for this family and how can we partner to, um, how can I walk with you on this journey? And I think that's a huge change over, over the decades, at least, that we've been involved in this work. I first walked into a, a newborn ICU in 1980. And as healthcare professionals, I think we were very well-intentioned, but erroneously thinking, these babies are so tiny, so fragile, so sick, and require intensive care. So in many ways, we made the mistake of assuming that we needed to step in for the parents, care for the babies until they became critically stable and able to be cared for by parents. And what I certainly learned, and I think I can speak for many others, is that over the years, we realized we were really missing the boat on the key element of the parent-infant nurturing relationship, and that it would be significantly altered in, in, um, in not good ways if we functioned in that traditional manner. And that actually from day one and even sooner when we do perinatal consults prior to delivery, we really need to support the parent, the mother and father in caring for their infant, despite whatever critical care is necessary. Because you can't trade places. If we inadvertently give the message the parent is not adequate, that message never truly goes away and has a long lasting effect. So I think we've learned to, from the beginning, nurture that relationship. You mentioned a couple things here, and we'll see if we can break down a couple things. You had mentioned changes that have happened over the years, and you also mentioned the words technology. Could you talk to us briefly about 
how this process has changed over the last 10, 15 years with the advantages that technology has brought us. I mean, we talked about this in our previous episode. Every parent's walking in with with cell phones trying to take a thousand pictures of their kids every minute. Um, you've got a lot more distractions going on. You've got parents that know more because as soon as the doctor mentions something or the NIDCAP worker mentions something, they can Google every answer that, that was just presented to them. How has technology changed the way that these practices are being put into work? So I think that um, very often when we're talking about hospital settings, there is an incredible amount of technology. And I think back even um, 20 years ago or 25 years ago with particular ventilators that um, would oscillate the chest rather than um, what we would think of a traditional breath of the air goes in and the air goes out. And so when these high frequency ventilators came out, and it was really important, the frequency, or we would call it the chest wiggle, if you will. And so um, we had this incredible technology and it was fascinating to me because there were certain things about the machine that were not really considered from the baby's perspective. And one of them was the alarm system to let you know that the wiggle was off or the airflow was not constant in that baby's airway and lungs was piercing and excruciating. And you could only silence it for 20 seconds. And so if you had a critically ill baby where something was happening or you had a procedure or um, a situation, you may have eight or 10 people around that bedside and one person is just constantly hitting that mute alarm because the excruciating alarm um, to let you know that something's not going right. Well, all the doctors and nurses and nurse practitioners know something is going on and we're literally working as hard and as fast as we can. And so when I talked with the representative from the company that made the ventilator and I said, you know, help me understand why this is just so excruciating and you can't even you can't even silence it or mute it. And you understand the incredible stress it causes in an already very stressful situation. And so the representative was kind of um, surprised or taken back or said, geez, we had never really considered that. And so for me, it's so important that we have clinical expertise partnering with technology. And I would say that for families, right? Because I can give you a gazillion examples of things that health professionals think about maybe a little bit differently than what families think about. And so um, it's really important that we partner with and we have families integrated into our decision-making so that we can support um, the various perspectives and we can create and and use the technology to our advantage, right? So we also know the technology of, all right, if um, I remember back in the day, I worked in a hospital setting um, that we had an incredible video and um, photo department that was affiliated with the organization. And we had really skilled um, 
also video graphics, um, photographers. And so if we had a mom that was really sick um, and was in the intensive care unit herself and could not physically get out of bed or the ventilator or the equipment prohibited her from being with her baby, we set up um, video cameras for her to be able to see her baby um, at the very least. We would take pictures and we would share those pictures at the very least to let her know that this little person is waiting for you um, and is really um, that just supporting some of those connections. So today, it's really common to have video cameras so that parents can um, see their infant, if you will, at times when they're not in the nursery. And I think we have to be careful that we don't think this technology takes the place of that parent-infant interaction and what that parent can bring. So I think that we have to think about technology in how can we be innovative and use it supportively, but we also have to kind of keep pushing the envelope to say what's best for that baby's brain, what's best for that baby's development and growth is to be with that those parents and that family. We know we have so much evidence to support that non-separation matters, that having parents actively participate in the care of their infants matters for the parent, for the infant, but also for the healthcare team. So I know I got a little bit off track, but I also think that as important as technology is, and we have come such a long way in terms of technology where we now have what we call smart pumps. So um, that have uh, programs in there to make sure that we're administering certain medications in a certain amount of time um, that's safe for the baby as compared to ways that we used to do things before we had some of that technology. But I also think what's more important than technology is the humanness of who's that baby. And it's the humanness of supporting that parent-infant connection. And there's no technology that we have that can replace um, a mother's touch um, or a father's um, protection. And so all of those, um, I just think we have to kind of think about it really with an open heart and an open mind that we don't fool ourselves that technology makes more of a difference than um, than parents. But we have gotten better at integrating, you know, flash forward to technology in a NICU, you know, just a few days ago, we have parents who are viewing their children on a continuous video camera 24-7. They come in and uh, there's so many, we have specific kind of apps that every mother has that helps keep track of her pumping for breast milk and how much is available and whether she needs to worry about is the supply running low or not because on her own phone, she can look and see what's available in the unit, which milk are they using now this same application that supports with uh, breast milk delivery is geared so that after a feeding, the nurse simply takes a nice photo of the baby and with one click, it goes directly to the mother's phone. I was doing a neurobehavioral evaluation of a baby on Wednesday 
and the dad couldn't be there. But when we got to the alerting phase and asking the baby to focus and follow and attend to my face and voice and to mom's voice, dad was on the phone on FaceTime and the baby was able to literally alert to dad's face and focus and follow. And I just can't imagine a decade ago that being able to happen in a father's presence. So we can integrate technology in good ways, never replacing the uh, importance of a mother or father's real presence. It's certainly interesting to see this entire process from somebody else's point of view. I mean, we went through the NICU process seven, eight years ago at this point, and technology was what it was. And yeah, it was the parent that was in doing all the different stuff. And I was so super impressed with all the technology that we had at our disposals in both of the hospitals that our kids were in. Um, but it is certainly amazing to see what's happened over the last several years here to make sure that every baby is they're safe, healthy, and and as you said, it's not just the people that are caring, it's the people that are working with the trash cans. Everybody has the same goals and advantages in mind. As we wrap up today, um, Dr. Laharan, let me start with you. What advice can you give um, for anybody who's listening to this show, and, and what closing thoughts would you have as we, uh, as we think about the future of our NIDCAP nursery programs? Uh, thanks, Jeff. Um, Advice I would give, if, if you're a family member and you either are anticipating having a premature baby or a term baby who requires intensive care, or you have a loved one who may be in that situation, please ask questions. It's always okay to ask questions. Find out whether the unit your uh, potential uh, baby may be, the potential unit your baby may be in is attending to developmentally supportive care. Whether, uh, you know, ideally it would be a NIDCAP unit, it may not be, but it would still be important to ask the questions. If you're a professional listening to this podcast and you wanna know more information, go to our website. We're happy to help and provide information in a variety of ways. And um, if you're just interested in this for whatever reason, we're always available to provide more information. And, and it's a pleasure to discuss this work. We clearly have a passion for it. We know it makes a huge difference in the lives, not only of babies and families, but also the staff and communities in which this is happening. Yeah, and really just in follow up that, regardless of what you need to accomplish, with in context of infant care activities, embedding nurturance through your thoughts and transferring that into your hands, bringing this back to the bedside. You know, how do I support these concepts and theories in all our actions and interactions? And at the core of all we do is supporting these developing relationships, embedding nurturance and emotional connectedness in all we do. And the NIDCAP nursery program and the NIDCAP work really provides those tools and strategies to be successful, specifically in context of the systems that keep evolving and changing. Um, you know, thinking about how to articulate, how does your nursery shine? What are you most proud of? Building on the strengths and using the infant's behavior 
as the vehicle of communication for the baby to support the family and also support each of us as healthcare professionals. So always bringing it back to the bedside and thinking about how can I support these complex concepts into my actions and interactions at all levels? And what can I do to support this baby and family? And I think when we think about this and we think about these clinical experiences, it really um, does shift and modify what comes to mind, what I try to accomplish, what makes me feel good at the end of the day, how I can support that parent participation and care, and how do I think about it? And using reflective strategies to kind of help get in touch with what's that emotional experience? When do I feel good about it? When don't I feel good about it? Did I fumble? Did I not do what I thought I should do? What's my opportunity to pause and redirect? And so it's not about the rightness and the wrongness. It's really about trusting yourself to trust others, to support trust in that infant, to really support their curiosity and investment in their world around them. So I really appreciate the opportunity, Jeff and Gretchen, to talk about this with you this morning. Um, I think this work is so incredibly important. And if just one person listens to this podcast and starts to think about their own experiences, I think that we have been successful. And that wraps up this episode of NICU Care with NIDCAP. We'd like to thank you for listening and for your ongoing collaboration in providing the best care to infants and their families. Please tune in to future episodes and don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your audio and video podcasts. For more information, please visit NIDCAP.org and follow us on Facebook at Twitter at NIDCAP and on Instagram at NIDCAP Federation International. Until next time, farewell from NIDCAP, improving the future of newborns and their families.